0: So, what a wonderful to see your faces and uh, have this wonderful time together tonight. And uh, I want to open with a word of prayer as uh, the Lord prepares our heart to hear God's Word. Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight for the opportunity that you gave us to be here, to read your Word and uh, listen from these words, your voice crying into our hearts calling us to apply this passage into our lives, this passage that we're going to study tonight. Lord, I pray that as I share my heart with these friends and brothers and sisters in Christ, that I may at the same time show the kind of love and passion that are coming through these words and with the kind of humility that I need to have as I focus my my mind and my heart on you, Lord. I pray for these brothers and sisters as they uh, listen to your word and as they listen to uh, this call that they might open their hearts with humbleness to receive it. And I'm sure, Lord, that you are going to bless us tremendously tonight for the time that we're going to be together. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So tonight, I wanted to spend some time with a with a passage that I think it's very important for me, especially during this last few months, as I've been thinking through uh, church planting and reaching out the lost and trying to present the gospel to somebody who's or many who are completely um, not interested about God's God's word, about God's will, about Christ, about the Bible. And I think that to some degree, uh, we as a church, we need to make the gospel part of our daily life. Because lots of it is at stake. Lots of it is at stake. I remember years ago, uh, when I was back in Italy, uh, doing ministry there before seminary time. I was doing a youth, re- uh, youth uh, teaching, a youth evening uh, teaching, and uh, somebody pulled an old cassette, uh, video cassette, VHC-S. Uh, How many of you remember those yeah. things? Yeah. Good. Uh, so today they don't use it anymore, I mean, DVDs, MP3, MP4, whatever. But somebody took this uh, video cassette and put in the video recorder, and, uh, and that was... This playing of a recording of us when we were younger, you know, like uh, 10 years b- prior to that moment. And so we were looking at ourselves dressing differently. Have you seen yourself videotaped like 10 years ago? Are you wearing? And everybody's laughing. Aha, look at what kind of shirts is dressing up. <laughs> and everybody was making fun of my hair. So where, where did they go? <laughs> so, But one thing, as I was looking and enjoying that part, at one point, I was like uh, struck by the reality, and I changed my face because that became very, very strong in my heart. The reality of the fact that many people that were in that video, part of the church at that time, 10 years before, were not there anymore, not because they were dead, but because they left the church. And everybody was looking at me and said, What happened, Jolly? Did you get offended because we made joke on your hair? I said, No. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to see that many faces that are there are not anymore in the church worshiping God. For one reason or another, they fell short from God's glory. They've touched the grace of God. They've tasted the mercy of God. And yet, they decide to turn their back to God. And go away from what has been a tremendous blessing for many of us who who have been faithful and touched by God's word and by his grace. It's so easy. It's so easy to get so involved in a church and feel that everything is fine until God proves our hearts. And if our heart is full of pride, we're going to fall. We're going to fall. We're going to hit the ground very hard. And many who are just uh, professing Christ, that is simply, simply an emotional profession of faith. When they fall, they turn back and don't look for God and they don't, don't follow God. We have a great story about a king, a wonderful king that we find in Daniel 4, that tells us exactly what we should look for in our lives in order that we protect ourselves from pride and we focus our mind on it through confession of faith. We examine our hearts in such a way that we test our own hearts and see, am I really rooted in the real biblical faith that is this real saving faith? Do I have the elements that are clearly biblical elements that testify of my own genuine confession of faith? Or am I just being deceived by my own pride? I want to read with you this final testimony of this mighty king who was humbled to the ground. And in his final words, he gives us this final confession And this final confession will help us to keep our mind focused on the message of the gospel, even for our own lives. Let's read together from verse 34. It says in Daniel 4, from verse 34 all the way down to the end of the chapter. At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven, and my reason returned to me. And I blessed the Most High, and praised, and honor him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdoms endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, and he does according to his will among the hosts of heaven, and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can say his hands, or say to him, What have you done? At the same time, my reason returned to me, and for the glory of my kingdom, my majesty and splendor returned to me. My counselor and my lords saw me, and I was establishing my kingdom, and still more greatness was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and honor the king of heaven, for all his works are right and his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, humble, is able to humble. What a wonderful testimony that we have in front of us. This confession of faith can help every man, whether king, whether simple man, rulers, president, princes, or any other workman, or any other person, male or female. Everybody can help us to understand that there is only one king. There is only one true king that sits on his throne and rule over the earth, over all creation, and this is God, who is the sovereign Lord, the eternal, the superior, the dispenser of grace, which is who is worthy of all our praises. That is an important message that is coming out from this confession of faith. And in this confession of faith, we see a man who learned a great lesson in the hard way. We know Proverbs that that warns us about pride. How important it is to keep our hearts focused on the Lord, humble ourselves, and check any signs of pride in our own lives. We know that... The Proverbs warns us that destruction precedes pride. But God gives grace to the humble. Nebuchadnezzar learned the lesson in the hard way. God warned him. We know the story, the dream that Nebuchadnezzar had prior that is described at the beginning of this chapter. God told him, you Nebuchadnezzar, I blessed you. Though you are a pagan king, though you are not fearful, you don't fear me at all. I blessed you, and I gave you might, I give you power, I gave you honor. All the nation around you respected you, and you were considered from them as a, as a way to find rest and repair and, and be protected under you. Instead of recognizing me as the king of the universe, you exalted yourself. For that reason, you who are like this mighty tree, you will be cut down as this tree is cut down. And you will be cast into the animal realm and be like an animal. This is a great picture. I don't know if you understand these important aspects. When God created men and women, He gave gave us a great mandate to rule the earth... And everything that is in it, even the animal field, even the animal realm. Yet now, with Nebuchadnezzar, God is taking this mighty man, and he it, it, it doesn't make him a servant, he doesn't make him an humble man, he's making him like an animal, acting like an animal, where he lost his reasoning, he was completely nuts. He went eating like a cow, and his body became like an animal. And he was under the shame of everybody, and everybody was looking at this mighty king who was acting like a simple animal. There was a great lesson that God was teaching to this man. And that lesson came right away. Daniel interpreted the dream of Nebuchadnezzar and said, mighty king, don't be angry at me. I'm telling you what it is, what the Lord has determined, you will be disciplined, you will be judged by God because of your pride, so please break off your sin, repent that He might give you more ears, and yet one night, one evening, as he walked upon I was walking up he was working upon his palace, looked at his kingdom, and instead of hearing the voice of Daniel. Calling him and say repent and break off your sin of pride. He said, oh, look at what I've done. This is all for my glory. This is all for me. Right then in that moment, God judged Nebuchadnezzar with those words. And he was cast down in the animal realm. For seven years, he acted like a cow. Eating grass his head was and i want you to understand this picture the only thing that he was looking at was the ground and and looking at the grass and trying to choose what i'm going to eat that's the only thing that he was looking for he lost his mind completely and there was a judgment that god was put on him because of his pride but what a great blessing in as we look at this wonderful confession of faith, how the Lord determined from the beginning seven years of chastisement. But after seven years, the grace of God would have been manifested in his life. And so this confession of faith as marks that are essential for each one of us. There are four marks in, in a genuine confession of faith that are represented here in the life of Nebuchadnezzar. These four marks of a genuine confession of faith should be the marks or the signs that we should follow, we should read, so that we can examine our own hearts to see if we are not deceived and fooled by our own pride. And be careful, lest you fall, be careful to examine your heart. Let's be careful that we examine our hearts because pride is so subtle. Even when we think that we are standing and we are fine, here it is pride, very close to it hard in our lives. And pay the consequences for that pride. A genuine confession of faith and four marks that should help us to keep our mind focused on the grace and mercy of God. The first, com- the first mark of this genuine com- confession of faith is humble repentance. Let's look at together at verse 34. How Nebuchadnezzar expressed this aspect of his genuine confession of faith, which is humble repentance. He says, at the end of the days. First of all, stop a second. What a wonderful thing. There was an end to his madness. How that end came about? How that lifestyle, eating grass like a cow, appearing like an animal in all sense, came to an end. Was he able to do anything to change this this situation? Was he able in that moment to come out from his madness? No. This is the beginning of God's grace as he humbles the pride man. That's... When God assigned the moment, the exact moment for each one. That God in his own sovereign will and in sovereign grace decide to change the heart of somebody who is stubborn in his own pride. I wasn't looking for God. Or I wasn't trying to humble myself under the mighty hand of God. And though we grew up in a Catholic nation in Italy, and there is the concept of God, there is no concept of the gospel. The justice is is received on the cross. And even here in the States, there are many people who are growing up in the cultural church type of mentality. And they say, I hear many times, I've been Christian all my life. I've been going to church since I was a little boy, a little girl. And here I am, I'm still a Christian. Well, I know that there is a moment where there is an end to the madness of pride in each one of those who are confessing Christ as Lord and Savior. Like there was an end for this man, Nebuchadnezzar, king, who was humbled to the ground by the mighty hand of the Lord, those seven years came to an end. that when the grace of God became evident in the life of Nebuchadnezzar. He couldn't do anything to change and in his own will this end of the days. He couldn't do anything. It was just God's grace that manifested in his life and said, It's over. Now I'm going to show you a new lifestyle that is based on my grace, on my mercy, that will bring you to recognize me as the king, as you should have done prior to these events. So do you remember the day when God brought you before the reality of your pride, of your stubbornness, of your heart's desires to fulfill yourself? do you help yourself to see how the gospel impacted you in which day the Lord opened up your eyes? And from then on, how you've been living upon that truth that humbles you constantly? Because that is a very important aspect, guys. This is very important aspects of our life as Christians. I remember I was preaching about these things, in another church down in Alabama, Alabama. (laughs) And before going to the pulpit, as Southern Baptist Churches, the the, the pulpit is very high, the stage is very high, a few stairs to go up. And and I just pray, Lord, keep me humble, keep my heart humble as I preach. As I was on the last step, I stumbled. And uh, I was like, oh, almost I fall down and the, the, the pastor of the music almost told me to help me. That was a great, great lesson of humility on my part. And I, and I said, Lord, right there in front of the pulpit, as I touch this point, say, you know, guys, the Lord keeps me humble. Keeps me humble in any way so that I don't stumble in pride as I deal with this important task of preaching God's word. For that reason, I encourage you to consider the many ways that God humbles you. And cherish those moments, because those are great moments of lessons in your life, where it will bring forth a greater lesson in your life, so that you will be more like Christ. You will be more dependent on Christ. Because that is the moment of change. When God humbles you, even after your confession of faith, many years be- before, when you confess Christ as Lord and Savior, and God humbles you in those moments, God is bringing forth His will in your life as He changes you, as He sanctifies you. So at the end of those days, for the... the, the, the the mad king, Nebuchadnezzar, came to an end. And the grace of God was evident. As the hand of God was upon Nebuchadnezzar and humbled himself, then Nebuchadnezzar testified. And you look at the emphasis here. I, Nebuchadnezzar, know somebody else. I'm right now testifying about this. This is one of the few chapters that God allowed from a pagan converted pagan that would be written down with his own hands. This is something that is not that somebody else told about Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar is the one that somehow to- told Daniel, this is something that happened in my life. This is how it happened. And this is our, my words. And God allowed that to be written in his word as a testimony. And so I, Nebuchadnezzar, Lifting my eyes to heaven, and my reason returned to me. I bless the Most High and praise and honor Him who lives forever. First of all, I want I want you to understand uh, the 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 reality of how how things has changed physically, mentally in the life of Nebuchadnezzar. While as in his madness, he was looking at what kind of grass he was going to eat, and his neck was stiffened and looking down, not be able to lift up his head. At one point, Nebuchadnezzar has the ability to look up to the heaven, not to see the sky, not to see the clouds, not to see the sun, but because he knew that up in the sky something happened from above in his life. And so he directs his attention exactly to the, the sovereign work of a sovereign God who is up uh, sitting on his throne in the heavens. So he's not looking to enjoy the beautiful sunny day. He's looking into heavens because he knows that the moment for his life to change his condition came from above. And, and here is his humble Confession of Repentance, where he says, Oh, I lifted up my eyes into heaven. I gazed to the glory of God. I looked upon the fact that there is a blessed and most high God. And I decided to bless Him. I decided to praise Him and honor Him in all He has done in my life. This is an incredible confession of faith that is marked by humble repentance. The pride and stubborn man that is walking upon the roof of his palace saying, Look at what I've done for my glory. is now crying and saying, Look at what he has done in my life for all his glory. That is such a beautiful expression of humility of a heart that is full of repentance, knowing that God has brought sense in his life. This is not simply an ability to understand that there is a mental ability, cognitive ability to understand there is a God above there. This is a confession of faith that has relationship with this Most High. And I want you to see the picture. The blessed word that is used here is used. In a similar way, in chapter 11, when Daniel uh, was saying, we, we, we find Daniel bowing down in worshiping to God and praying to God as he was looking through the window towards Jerusalem. It's not just a simple a pronunciation of a word, blessed be the Most High, is in, it involves the body, it involves an expression that. It's total of your of your uh, of your life, mind, hearts, and body is expressing this blessing to the Lord. So think about this: this king, when his, was on his four uh, knees and hands, eating grass, not be able to look up any, anywhere up. God, it finally after humble him, he. Is able to go back on his feet, look at the heavens, and he bows down again in worship to God. Look at this wonderful picture that is portrayed here. This is a, a clear evidence of a man who was brought before his sin and now is humble himself in all, in all his willingness and recognize that he, Christ, God, the sovereign Lord of the universe has changed his heart. It doesn't stop here. He, he confesses something about God. He confesses about the fact that he, he endures forever. He praises and honors his eternality. He knows that uh, he recognizes that he as a man is a temporary being on this side of heaven. The one who endures forever is the Lord, the Almighty God. He is eternal. Now look at that. And he says that this king has a dominion that is everlasting and as a king kingdom that endures from generation to generation. Why does why this king in this passage says about God these very things? Why does he mention these aspects? He compares now his kingdom, the kingdom that few years before said, look at what I've done, he compares his kingdom to the kingdom of God. And he says, my kingdom will end as I die. His kingdom will never end because it's eternal. My kingdom will be passed to another generation as the Lord is sitting on the throne and he will rule over the next generation, the next generation, the next generation. He recognized in humble repentance that he is a mere man that is subject to death and that he will die. But eternal God is not subject to death. He lives forever. He endures forever as well as his kingdom endures forever. So he humbled himself. He as a king, human king, mighty king on the earth. He humbled himself and says, you are the real king. Your dominion is everlasting dominion. My dominion doesn't count anything. My kingdom will end as I die. Another generation will take over. Another kingdom will take over. But you, God, the eternal God, the Almighty, the one that I'm now worshiping, you are eternal. This is a a confession that is clearly marked by humble repentance how in many ways we recognize and we bring before our Lord the areas of our life that we need to check in terms of asking for forgiveness, forsaking our sins, and changing and growing in the likeness of Christ. Humble repentance means that every day we check our own hearts and we desire to see where do we need to be intentional, in forsaking our sins. Sanctification doesn't happen by chance. Salvation doesn't happen by chance. God saves those whom we love. Those whom He saved, He sanctifies. Those whom He sanctify, He glorifies. Are you on the same pace that God is? Are we on the same pace? Are we looking at our hearts and recognize, what are the areas of my life where my pride is still stiffened and is there? Seek your own heart and see how pride is coming evident. But this is not the end. This is first Mark. The second Mark, look at Nebuchadnezzar, how he expressed his respectful submission to this mighty king, the almighty God. Look at verse 35 as we keep reading. and says, All the inhabitants of the earth are counted as nothing. And he, as he does, and he does according to his will among the host of heaven. Think about this. Now he, may, he makes a, a specific statement here. After expressing his humble repentance, he says and recognizes that I need now to show submission and respect God in this humble submission. I need to submit to God. And how does he express this? He says that all the inhabitants of the earth are nothing are counted as nothing. What does he mean when he says these things what what, what he means so is something that God doesn't you know look at the at the man the human being, and say oh they they don't mean anything to me no it's not that actually. The testimony of Nebuchadnezzar testify of the fact that God considered Nebuchadnezzar very important and precious. In fact, he, yes, judged him, but he didn't leave him in this judgment and he didn't take his life in judgment. But he saved him and brought him to a real faith in him. So what does he say? What does he mean when he say this? That the inhabitants of the earth are counted as nothing. It, it, it is like this. When the Lord, from the beginning of the earth, decided to write down the history of man. And the history of your life. The life of Nebuchadnezzar. And the life, I mean, my life. He didn't say, okay, let's sit together in a round table. Let's brainstorming a little bit. Jo Luca, tell me a little bit about your life. What, what would you like uh, to grow? Would you like to, to be born in Italy? Or would you like to, to go through these specific events in your life? Let me, let me, let me talk to you just a second. I want to convince you a little bit that on 2013, you will have leukemia. Is that fine with you? It doesn't do that, right? Nebuchadnezzar recognized that we need to submit ourselves to the mighty hand of God and respect that submission, respect that will. When he planned something before the eternity, in the eternity passed, he didn't ask us our permission. He didn't ask us, hey, let's do the way you like. No. He has a plan, and he put forth his plan according to his will that is holy and good. And now, Nebuchadnezzar, that had such a great power and mighty, that he could do anything on the earth, he would just say, you do this. And everybody was moving. Now he says, I'm like this, under the hands of the mighty God. And think about what just happened in the life of Nebuchadnezzar. For seven years, he was chastised. And he recognized that that chastisement came from the Lord. That humble his heart. For that reason he recognized it. And he submitted himself under the mighty hand with respect. So you see still in verse 35. Recognize that the insignific- insignificance of the mankind. Look at here. Your account is nothing. And he does according to His will among the host of heaven. And among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can, say- can stay his hand. Or say to him, what have you done? So think about this. Uh, in the ESV, it doesn't come along quite clearly, maybe, the idiomatic sentence that Nebuchadnezzar is saying here. The picture that is describing here, described here in words is like this. So God is stretching his hand to do something on, on the human uh, uh, world and... A man will stretch his hand and hit the hand of God and say, what are you doing? It's so basically like, uh, like uh, when, I, when I go back home after a long day. And I open the door and a beautiful smell come, comes from the kitchen. I open the lid and I took a spoon. And I go there to, to have a taste and hear from the back my wife, boom, what are you doing? It's not the time. Well, who can do that to God? Right? Who can stretch his hand and hit the hand of God and say, What are you doing in my life? I'm insignificant. I don't know anything about life. I don't know what it means to plan everything and know everything in a perfect way. And I can say to God, What are you doing in my life? Stop doing this. Don't want it. No one can do that. No one can stop the will of God. No one can forsake what God is doing in his own life. No one can forget the fact that he's omnipotent. And his omnipotence is tied to his justice. Again, come come back with me to the fact that Nebuchadnezzar has just come back from The animal realm. In his teeth. There was still grass. And the taste of grass. And the smell. Of the wood. For seven years. Without a shower. And he says. You. Are the mighty king. And now I understood. And will respect. I submit under you. Think about this in your life. What are the areas in your life that you need to show submission to the Lord? Where do you get most of the time frustrated, angry, disappointed? That you blame people for things that are happening in your life. And sometimes you might blame God. That are you complaining about things? This is just our polite expression of no submission to God. Yeah. We talk about anger. Right? In the Bible. But in the common language. I'm frustrated. That's anger. Where is anger showing up in your life. As a, a symptom of the fact. That you're not in respect. Submitting your life to God. As our, our way to see life. Can be. thought. By our own sense of justice, are our, our justice line up to the will of God, and so therefore we submit and say, Lord, well done, well done in my life. I like it. I see that you are working in my heart. Yeah, it's not the the only mark that we have to look. We've seen the humble repentance. The second is the respectful submission. There is another mark that is important in a sincere confession of faith, in a genuine confession of faith, and it's the confession of undeserved grace. Look at with the words that Nebuchadnezzar expressed here. At the same time, verse 36, At the same time, my reason returned to me, and for the glory of my kingdom, my majesty and splendor returned to me. My counselor and my, my lords saw me, and I was established in my kingdom. And still more greatness was added to me. Now, one thing that overwhelms me in this verse is the passive tense. That, you know, he recognized nothing he could have done to regain his throne. To regain the favor of his counselor, to regain the favor of his lords. And nothing he could have done to add greatness to his own life. He confesses completely that this was a blessing from the Lord. He recognized, I don't deserve this. It was given back to me. The only thing that I deserved is to spend the rest of my life eating grass like an animal. Because I was stubborn and full of pride. But in God's grace, he gave me back all these things. He didn't have to do this. But he did it. But he did it. I was put back in my throne. And even more grace and power and, and might was added to my own kingdom. This is all an act of God's grace in my life. His undeserved grace. It's not something that I've done. His reason, his royalty, his reputation, his reign, his radiance was all given back to him by, the, by an act of grace of the, of the Lord, the sovereign Lord of the universe. I remember uh, a few years ago, I went back to Italy, and, um, and a friend of mine, dear friend of mine, um, we, we went back to church and was looking for him, and after three Sundays, I couldn't see him at church. And I said, what, "What's happening in the life of Mario?" Um, so I called him, saying, "How is everything?" Well, uh, everything is is okay. I'm busy with work. And sorry, I'm just uh, uh, trying to to be a good uh, good workman and for my boss. Oh, I see. I, I see. Well, knowing the story that he had, I understood because. He was in his 45, 48 years old, lost his job from Sicily, came over our town and was looking for a job. And after a few years, he finally found a job. So I said, maybe it's just really working hard so that he would keep this job. Well, but something was not quite right. Anyway, it was the time for us to fly back to the States to keep starting back the, the seminary. And then a week later... The pastor of the church called me and said, "Jerluca, I, I want to give you this notice before anybody else gives it to you. Uh, Mario's been arrested." "What happened?" I was shocked. I said, "What happened?" "Well, he was growing marijuana in his garden. Somebody from the palace saw the marijuana, called the police. The police came and arrested him in front of his family." Now, I was shocked and I said, How can you do this? I mean, you left Sicily because you didn't have a job, you didn't have food. You came here and we opened up our arms. The Lord blessed you with a wonderful job, He gives you everything you needed. When did it happen that you forget about God's grace? That you fall short of God's grace and you start doing these things? Growing up, marijuana. Are you not? Aware of the fact that people are looking at your garden and can recognize marijuana and denounce you and, and report that to the police. The good things, so after a month or so, I was able to talk to him through the phone. He was released from jail and he said, So, Luca, please, will you forgive me? Forgive me for not being sincere with you. Uh, I've had a double life. I was having this. I was fooled by my own pride. I said, I'm I'm, I'm very happy that you asked me this, and I forgive you, brother. And obviously, I knew that he had done a great testimony of asking forgiveness to the church for what he had done. And so for a while, it was like a great restoration. It was like uh, uh, he came back embraced by the church in repentance, and then God was giving back. He gave, gave everything back to him. As an act of grace in his life. And yet to this day. He's not going to church. And God. Is still calling upon him. In many ways. Showing grace to him. And I pray that one of these days. He really repents. He really submit himself. And. Recognize the grace of God in his life. He's still demonstrating himself that he's not a believer. And he's acting in foolishness, eating grass like a cow, smoking grass like a cow. Life, the life of us believers is very delicate and thin lines. Don't confuse underserved grace as the blessing upon you that you are free to do whatever you like. Don't confuse the fact that because God is blessing you and showing you underserved grace that you feel free to do whatever you like. We need to be very careful that the underserved grace of God doesn't become for us our own way to pride and exalt ourselves which is very important. is essential. Nebuchadnezzar marked this aspect in his life very clearly. And then he finishes with the last mark of, hallmark of a genuine confession of faith, a reverential worship. A genuine confession of faith not only is marked by humble repentance, respectful submission, underserved grace, but Exalt God in a reverential worship. Look at that verse, the final word, verse. Now, verse 37. Now, I, Nebuchadnezzar. Again, the emphasis here is incredible. that Nebuchadnezzar, I was humbled. And that I was exalted back looking, looking up at the heaven. And, and brought back to my kingdom. I, Nebuchadnezzar, not somebody else. What do I do? Praise and exalt and honor the king of heaven. For all his works are right. And his ways are just. And those who work in pride. He is able to humble. So look at this final mark of a genuine confession of faith. Which is reverential worship. He recognized first of all that the works of the Lord are true. He recognized that what he has Done in his life that were based on the justice and truthfulness of God's word. Whatever he pronounced beforehand and say, I will judge you. That came to pass. And at the end of the seven year, God showed his mercy to him. As he already said in the past. And he said, Lord, your word is true. You, what you say, it's it's completely holy. My mouth is dirty. My mouth is full of false teaching. I need to change the way I speak. And for that reason, I worship you with your own doing it in my life. Your word is true. Your works are true. Your ways are just. He has just come out from seven, seven years of chastisement. And he worshiped God for the very things that humbled him. This is another great important aspect of our own life. It, it seems that sometimes when things, according to our own understanding, things are not going well. Right? We say, oh, today wasn't a great day. And for that reason, it seems hard to say, I worship you, Lord, today. I feel like it's uh, so difficult. I feel like uh, I'm guilty of being hypocritical. And I don't feel like this is really a good day for me to bow down myself in, in worship before God. Well, that's just another sign of pride, where we really stumble. Before what the Lord is doing in our lives. Instead of saying. I praise you Lord. For allowing this in my life. Because it's not according to my own way to see life. But I want to see with your own eyes. Your way are just. My ways are not perfect. I need to align my ways to your way. I need to recognize that you are sovereign control. And in worship, I accept that. So, look at that. The hearts of pride men cannot be changed by other men. The only one that can change a a prideful heart is the Almighty God. Now, Daniel tried to change da- uh, Nebuchadnezzar's heart and plead with them. He said, oh, King, break off your sin. Break off your sin. And though he was close friend with Daniel, he respected Daniel. He respected the God of Daniel. He was warned and Daniel told him that's what God has determined. I plead you. Break off your sin. He didn't. But when the Lord calls out your name and shows the pride that is in your heart, it will break off your sin. It will break off your pride. No one can resist God's grace. No one can resist God's hand. This is a great encouragement for myself because I know that pride will be in my life for the rest of my life. That I have to fight that. But I know that I cannot trust on my own strength. In one way or the other, the only person that I can trust to tackle down my own pride is if I bow down before the Almighty King and God. Asking him, Lord, you know how to change my heart. You know how you can transform this prideful heart in a humble heart. That's the reality. So, a few verses of the last words of a very famous king that has lived a long time before us, who is giving us some wisdom. It's giving us some wisdom and encourages us to consider our own life before God. Are you constantly humble yourself, repenting, before the Lord, submitting to Him respectfully, seeking after His undeserved grace that is clear in our life, and ready to worship Him even when things are not the way I want? I'll leave you with this question. I'm sure that God's Word and this passage can be of great warning and help for each one of us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you at the end of this evening for this confession of faith. A man that was most likely candidated to go to hell. You have changed his course. We have brought him to life. And so you've done with, the same with us. Different circumstances, different events but you have changed our lives. And this confession helps us to see our own hearts, to investigate our own hearts and see where do we need to line up our mind and hearts according to the message of the gospel. That message that became clear in the work of Christ has done for us on the cross that transformed our hearts, gave us eyes to see the sorry to humble ourselves under, under your mighty hand, to submit ourselves, to confess your undeserved grace in our lives that brings us every second of our lives to worship you. I pray that each one of us may, may always think about these marks of a genuine confession of faith, that we can examine our hearts on a daily basis, so that we live upon the true message of the gospel, following the master of the gospel. And in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.